And welcome into the Most Accurate Podcast. This is episode number 27. It's our Friday edition before week eight in the fantasy football season. Should be a good one today. We'll run through all the injury updates for you to make sure you're ready to rock for week eight. And John, of course, as he does every single Friday, he hands out some sneaky starts. And joining me right now is John Paulson, 444.com senior editor. How are we doing, JP? I'm doing pretty good. I just want to give condolences to those folks who are facing the Baltimore uh, defense this week. Uh, your your game's probably over, but uh, <laughs> we'll see what we can do to try to narrow the gap. And we will go over the Thursday night football game in a second, but before we get into that, John, tell us about the music that helped brought us, brought us in today. Yeah, this bring, is us another, in, bring us in. This is another uh, B-side from uh, early the early aughts, from tw- uh, 20, uh, 2004. Um, Franz Ferdinand released their uh, their self-titled album, which is excellent. And there were a few B-sides off that that were really good. And the, this one is called Van Tango. You can find it on Spotify on the deluxe version of that uh, self-titled album. We also put it on the uh, Most Decker Podcast playlist. As John noted from that Thursday night football game, the Ravens win 40 to nothing. And in the fourth quarter alone, C.J. Mosley had a 63-yard interception return. Chris Moore had a fumble recovery in the end zone to add to another touchdown. And then Jimmy Smith had a 50-yard interception return. So the Ravens' defense was uh, monstrous last night. John Jeremy Macklin also scored on a nice 34-yard touchdown pass from Joe Flacco before Joe Flacco was knocked out. Justin Tucker had a big, big night, 55- and 48-yard field goals piece uh what did what was your biggest takeaway from the Thursday night stats uh well it was obviously a dreadful performance by the Miami offense um you know 176 yards passing two interceptions for more that led to uh Jarvis Landry or you're probably not going to get good stats out of both Kenny Stills and Jarvis Landry and you're certainly not going to get uh much out of Ajayi or Julius Thomas in the passing game either uh I thought Stills you know, had the 10 targets. I thought he was a good play, and he ended up with 65 yards, so it's not too bad. PPR, he had 11.5 points. So um, I'm sure Jarvis Landry owners are disappointed with the 8.3 that they got in PPR, 3.3 in standard. Uh, there should have been more garbage time here. He actually had a good matchup in the slot, but they obviously were uh, scheming to limit him or take him away. Uh, 12 targets and only five catches. And, uh, you know, Ajayi with... Uh, a pretty good matchup against the Ravens. They've been struggling last week. They got, they got shellacked in the running game, uh, but they got, uh, you know, Williams back on the defensive line last week and didn't do much with it. But this week, very, you know, very much limited the Miami running game, which has been struggling all year. They still don't have a rushing touchdown. Uh, so we've been moving uh, Ajayi down in our rest of season rankings. I had him at nine this week because I thought it was a good matchup um, against the Ravens, given the way they played against the run. But, uh, you know, just the carries weren't there because the game got out of hand. He only had 13 carries and, and 23 yards. On the flip side, you, you're, we've been looking at the Baltimore backfield, trying to figure out what's going on with it. And Collins has been outrunning uh, Buck Allen, you know, all year. But, but Allen's been getting a lot of the passing down work. He also gets the uh, goal line uh, work, red zone work, a lot of it as well. Um but Collins turned in 113 yards in, in the running game and then 30 yards on two catches, which is, you know, he hasn't been really utilized in the passing game much at all. He had more catches than Buck Allen did this week. Uh, so that's good, good sign for him. So he's definitely a hold. And then uh, Buck Allen is starting to look like uh, his stock is dropping with uh, 
Danny Woodhead likely back in week 11. Um, and obviously the Jerry Macklin, three catches for 53 yards, a touchdown. That's a good result for him given uh, what he's been producing the last few weeks. Let's move into some injury news now. We'll start off with Tevin Coleman. He only had 19 snaps a week ago. Then he was limited in practice earlier in the week. So that could help explain why he didn't have much of a role for himself, even though the Falcons were trailing throughout that New England game. Dan Quinn expects Tevin Coleman to play in Week 8 against the Jets. The matchup is right, John. Uh, do you trust Tevin Coleman as a potential RB2? Uh, we'll see what he does today. And if he's listed as questionable versus... Um, Jets. Uh, versus, yeah, if he's questionable, if he's removed from the injury report. If he's removed from the injury report, it's clear he's going to play. If he's questionable, we have to keep track of that. And that's a uh, that's an early kickoff. So that's good on Sunday. Um, we'll at least know ahead of time. Obviously, if he's out, you want to get Devonta Freeman and you know daily lineups all over the place because he's going to see a monster workload. Te- uh, Stefan Diggs, he's questionable for Week Eight against the Browns. The problem is the Vikings have a trip to London this week against the Browns, and then their bye week next week. Do you trust Diggs to be in the lineup on Sunday? Well, on a personal note, I'm very upset to see him listed as questionable because that means I have to get up at 5.30 in the morning to uh, grind the Minnesota Vikings injury report because <laughs> it's a it's an early London kickoff. But it's just uh, part of the job. Uh, I will uh, soldier on, I guess, and uh, set my alarm. We have a big uh, Halloween party in the neighborhood, and it's 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 a monster Halloween party. Last A couple years ago, they had a full wrestling ring out front in the front yard and there were uh, Mexican wrestlers there uh, jumping off the roof and putting on a show. It was pretty amazing. Wow. It's always a, it's just a great party and I always have to leave it <laughs> at midnight or 11 o'clock because of the stupid London games. Anyway, uh, Stefan Diggs just want to remind folks that when he's on the injury report last year, uh, he did not perform as well as he did uh, when he was not on the injury report. So in the seven games where he was listed on the injury report, at some point during the week, he averaged four catches for 37 yards and .14 touchdowns in those games. And then in those games, he never cracked the 60-yard mark, and he only scored one touchdown. In the six games where Diggs was not on the injury report, he averaged 9.3 catches for 107 yards and uh, .33 touchdowns per game. That was 11.5 targets per game, and he cracked the 60-yard mark in five of, of those six games and gained 100 yards uh, three times in those games. So... There's a big disparity between Diggs on the injury report, off the injury report last year. Now, will that carry over to this year? Um, you know, not sure. I'll have him ranked since it's a, such a short week, uh, given his talent, you know, maybe his maturity, maybe he's able to play through the injury a little bit better um, than he did last year. I'll have him ranked in the top 20, top 25 for sure. Uh, just given the looking at the wide receiver rankings, the six teams I'm by, it just makes, but bumps everybody else up. So, um, but owners should just be aware of that split, so that uh, when they're putting him in the lineup, there is some downside there. Uh, it's not a shoe. He's not a he's not a shoe in to get his typical six for eighty and maybe a touchdown that uh, he would get when he's healthy. John, let's talk about the two wide receivers for the Detroit Lions. Golden Tate, he was uh, limited in practice yesterday. He's dealing with a shoulder injury, and Tate even admitted that he isn't sure if he'll be able to suit up. Sunday night against Pittsburgh. And then you have Kenny Galladay, and he's dealing with a hamstring injury. He didn't practice on Thursday. So would you trust either of these two wide receivers to play Sunday night against the Steelers? 
Well, we got to see with uh, with Galladay because he was expected back, and then you know was was yesterday like a day of rest for him, or did he have a setback um, uh, with his hamstring? Uh, he was expected to come and come back, and he's we're just at, we're at a point where we don't know. Uh, it's a Sunday night game on top of it, so that's going to cause problems. I would expect Tate to miss because he was it was supposed to be a multi week injury for him, and the fact that he's practicing is kind of a surprise. But we should know more when this uh, injury report's out. If they're both listed as questionable, then owners are going to have a decision to make. And, you know, obviously they could both miss. And then the Lions are down to Marvin Jones, TJ, uh, TJ Jones, um, Jared Aberderis at, at receiver. Uh, and then maybe Theoretic sees a little bump in, in receptions. Maybe he's playing some slot. I don't know. Uh, but, you know, Friday's practice will be key for these both these players. Martavis Bryant is going to be inactive for Sunday night's that Sunday night game against the Lions. That's what Mike Tomlin said, and, and Brian said that the reason Tomlin gave him was that it was a, it was a social media incident. And if you didn't know, Bryant took to Instagram, and after being told that Juju Smith Schuster, who's a rookie for the Steelers, uh, is better than Bryant, Bryant said. Um, you know, disagreed with that, and then, then you know, basically threw his teammate under the bus, and then said that he needed, he just needed more touches. Well, Bryant is going to be inactive, as I just mentioned, and then Smith Schuster, he's dealing with a concussion, but he was a full participant at Wednesday's practice. So, with Bryant out, do you trust Smith Schuster as a fantasy option this weekend? I do. He's listed as one of my sneaky starts. Um, my son picked him up and is, has him starting in the in his lineup uh, at receiver in his league, and. Uh, so I, I do trust them. Uh, with with Bryant out, they're not going to try to force him the ball at all. So they're just going to run their offense as typical. And you know, Big Ben struggles on the road. That's well known. But uh, the focus is going to be on Antonio Brown and uh, Schuster. Should be able to uh, thrive there. The one question I have, or one recommendation I have, is that he changed his name to Schuster Smith because I think that <laughs> rolls off the the, trun- uh, the tongue, as they say, a little bit better than Smith Schuster, but. Um, other than that, I think he's a good start this week. All right. Uh, Willie Sneed is practicing in full ahead of the Saints matchup with the Bears. Michael Thomas also returned to Saints practice on Thursday. So Michael Thomas, obviously a legit wide receiver one. What does Willie Sneed's participation do for Ted Ginn? I noticed that you had Ginn as late as last night in your top 25. Yeah, I think Ginn's a good start. He's been very involved in the offense. I don't think his role changes a whole lot with Sneed coming back because uh, Ginn brings something that these – uh, other Saint receivers don't have, which is really good blistering speed. And that's what they were missing with Brandon Cooks uh, leaving. That's why they signed again is to, is to catch the deep ball, to threaten the defense deep. Um, so I don't think his role changes a whole lot with Snead returning unless Snead starts to tear it up because uh, Ginn's been playing 50 to 70% of the snaps. I think that's going to continue. Uh, Snead probably splitting time with Brandon Coleman there as the third receiver. And I wouldn't start him this week if I could avoid it, even though the, the matchup's decent, uh, just because he's, his playing time is up in the air. We, we haven't seen him play uh, a full complement of snaps, and uh, he's just been kind of out of sync or not really into the offense with, with Coleman sort of establishing himself while Snead was uh, suspended. 
John will hand hand out some sneaky starts for week eight in a minute, but wanted to let you know it's not too late to download the highest rated fantasy football app. It's called Draft. You can play in a real live snake draft. You'd be done in five minutes, and they last for just one week, so you don't have to worry about injuries and uh, some of the, some of the bye week problems that uh, that fantasy owners face on a weekly basis. Drafts start every couple of minutes, so you can join one right now ahead of Week Eight or heading into the Week Eight weekends games. Uh, the best part is you can play for cold hard cash and get this. Your chances of winning are actually eighty percent better than on those salary cap sites. All new players get free entry into a real money draft when you make your first deposit. You can use our promo code four for four and play for real money and play for a real free game. Just by using that promo code 444, that's the number 4, F-O-R, and the number 4. It gets even better with Draft because they're so sure that you're going to love it that they're offering the most accurate podcast listeners a money-back guarantee of up to $100. Just search Draft in your app store, or you could go to Draft.com and play for free right now using that promo code 444. Sneaky starts time, uh, John. I always enjoy this on our Friday podcast. You list Four quarterbacks that could be sneaky starts this week. Tyrod Taylor, Andy Dalton, Phillip Rivers, Josh McCown, go. <laughs> I was trying to decide who to talk about, and I kind of wanted to talk about all these guys. So uh, we're going to talk about all these guys. Tyrod Taylor, as regular listeners know, we're big fans of his ability to put up fancy points, especially at home. Uh, he, he's able to put up points in the running game if, if the passing game's not going well, but he, he should be able to put it up in both the running game and the passing game this week against the, against the Raiders. Uh, he's number 17 on the season on a per-game basis, but he plays significantly better at home, uh, throwing more touchdowns. He's accounted for 1.77 total touchdowns at home versus 1.22 um, total touchdowns on the road over the past uh, two-plus seasons. Uh, yardage is up as well. Total yardage, 257 yards at home, 220 on the road. Uh, so I like this. I like this spot for him uh, against the Raiders. Uh, Dalton against the uh, Colts. Obviously, the Colts are a great matchup. Uh, Dalton had a tough start uh, to the season. <laughs> Four interceptions, I think, first week. Uh, but once uh, Bill Lazor took over as the offensive coordinator, he's uh, been the number 13 fantasy quarterback uh, in the last five weeks. The Colts are 29th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to quarterback, so that's a good matchup. Uh, this game's at home as well. Uh, Phillip Rivers... On the road in New England, this is setting up to be a nice spot for him, given the the Patriot uh, pass defense. Although your your Falcons couldn't really uh, score much against the, the Patriots last week, so maybe they're starting to turn that defense around. Uh, but still, Rivers, this should be a shootout uh, with Tom Brady, uh, given the the pass defense historically of the of the Patriots this year. Rivers is very capable of going and putting up 300 yards and three touchdowns. Uh, on the road, and they they have the healthy weapons there now uh, for the for the Chargers, and then finally uh, in a matchup against your Falcons, uh, Josh McCown coming off of a a big fantasy game against the Dolphins last week, um, you know coming home to to face the the Falcons, they're number seventeen in adjusted fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks. So it's not a great matchup, but it's not a bad one either. Uh, and he's he's one of these guys that's readily available, typically on the on the waiver wire to pick up and start in most leagues. Uh, he's got. Uh, eight total touchdowns in the last three games uh, and four last week against the Dolphins. At running back, you list Deion Lewis. He rushed 13 times for 76 yards last week against the aforementioned Falcons. He started and continues to play ahead of Mike Gillisley, and it looks like he's he's the preferred option now on early downs. Uh, he led the backfield with 26 snaps last week and seems to be the favorite in New England moving forward. 
Yeah, obviously with uh, Rex Burkhead back, it's a little bit dicey uh, to, to trust anybody. But uh, Deion Lewis has been getting the workload. I think he had 13 carries last week. Uh, the matchup is fantastic against the Chargers. I and mean, they're yielding 141 rushing yards per game, uh, which is the second most in the league. So it's it's a matchup play plus... You know, we're looking at what has been happening recently with the with the Patriots' backfield, and it's been mainly Lewis carrying the ball. With the Oakland Raiders, Marshawn Lynch is suspended after uh, contacting a referee last week. So you have Jalen Richard and DeAndre Washington. Do you like both options for Oakland, or you'd like one more than the other? Well, with Lynch sidelined, we're, we're probably going to see, see a split between the two. Um, they like Richard a little bit more in the passing game, although Washington – um, is capable in that area as well. Uh, if you look at the last three games where the starter has missed, if you're looking at last week with Marshawn Lynch getting uh, tossed early, uh, two weeks, uh, the two games last year where Latavius Murray were, was out, Washington averaged 12 touches per game while Richard or Richard averaged uh, 11 touches per game. Uh, in PPR formats, Richard gets the nod. I think he's averaged four catches in those three games compared to Washington's uh, 2.7 catches. Uh, so you could use either of these guys and probably, you know, have a decent shot at 10 to 15 touches uh, with both of these guys. Cause they're, I think they're going to split the, the work against Buffalo. It's not a great matchup against Buffalo, but I think in a week where owners are looking for anything to, to plug in there with, with six teams on by uh, that both of these guys are, are capable of putting up a, some some good fantasy points for, for owners in a pinch. Last week, the Bears, I think, only completed seven passes, and they continue to rely, rely on the uh, backfield duo of Jordan Howard and Tariq Cohen, and you have the latter written down as one of your sneaky starts. You know, I think I think they attempted seven passes. I had to double-check that, triple-check that. They did. They completed four passes <coughs> Excuse me, uh, for 107 yards, and 70 of those yards came from uh, Tariq Cohen. Uh, so the key here is to look for Benny Cunningham's status. If he's out, then you can pretty confidently, I think, start Cohen because you know they're not going to be able to get away with this really low volume uh, passing game. I mean, they they attempted 16 passes against Baltimore, um, and then seven against Carolina <laughs> last last two weeks. 20, 23 passes attempted for the Bears last three, uh, two weeks. The game flow is just not going to be there against the Saints. They're going to fall behind. In, in New Orleans, and they're going to have to throw the ball more. So I would expect at least 25, probably closer to 35 pass attempts for Mitch Trubisky. And if if Cunningham's out, then I feel really confident that, that Cohen will see, you know, five to seven targets there out of the backfield. If Cunningham's in, he's a little more dicey uh, of a start because he's been losing some snaps to, to Benny in, the, in both the passing game and the running game. We didn't mention this in our injury update, but it's good to mention it now. Marquise Goodwin was absent from the 49ers practice on Thursday, but he was limited on Wednesday. Uh, he should play, and if he does play against the Eagles, I'm assuming he's a good wide receiver three play. He's got 80-plus yards in two of his last three games, John. Yeah, he'd probably line up opposite Jalen Mills, who's been getting kind of torched uh, uh, in the in the secondary there for the Eagles. So, um, you know, looking at Goodwin, he's been – his his involvement in the passing game has – steadily increased. I mean, he started off with six targets, six targets, five targets, and he had a two-target game against Arizona. But then he had his big game when he came back against uh, the Colts. He had five catches for 116 yards on 11 targets, had kind of a quieter game against 
Washington, but he still had five targets in that game, two for 26. Um, and he ran the ball once. And then last week against Dallas, four for 80 on eight targets. So, you know, he's averaging 6.1 targets per game. He's a big play receiver, 17.5 yards per catch in a great spot against the, the Eagles where they're probably going to fall behind and have to throw the ball quite a bit. So, you know, I'm, I'm thinking they probably hit one of these deep balls, um, against uh against the eagles and you know if he's seeing seven to eight targets there's a lot of upside here he's he's a low floor high upside type guy because of his big playability this is a good one josh doxson you have listed as a sneaky start terrell Pryor has been a free agent bust in washington and jay gruden mentioned after the redskins lost to the eagles on monday night that josh doxson was drafted in the first round out of tcu to be their number one guy Kirk Cousins is playing really well despite the Redskins' inconsistencies this year. And Doxon, you would theoretically, you know, he would, he would benefit from being that number one guy. Yeah, and I would, I, I do feel a little leery about this because he just hasn't produced much in the time that he's gotten. But he is a t- kind of a touchdown guy. They do look for him quite a bit in the red zone. So even if he has a really quiet game, he could give you um, like what he gave you against the, the 49ers, where he caught a, a touchdown, 11 yard touchdown. Um, on three targets, I mean, like that would be, uh, you know, if things are not even going well, that that could be the, the saving grace is that he catches a touchdown for you. Uh, but you know, looking at what they, you, how they used him against the Eagles last week, he played eighty four percent of the snaps. He only had five targets, uh, but that was a season high. Uh, and Terrell Pryor dropped, you know, didn't have a good game, dropped another ball or two, and it looks like, uh, you know, with what they're saying, they're going to move Dotson into the starting lineup and let him play. Uh, they're talking about some sort of hot hand uh, rotation at the receiver position, which is a little a little bit strange. But I, I suppose if you start making plays, you're gonna uh, get to play more. Um, it's, it's just a matchup situation at home against Dallas. Uh, you know what they're saying; they want to use him as the number one receiver. And what they did last week is 84% of the snaps. So it's a little bit of a leap of faith with Dotson, but in a short well, week. Well, you have listed as a sneaky start as well. Three and the Falcons, seven. even though they're struggling offensively, they continue to target Mohamed Sanu. In fact, it had Matt Ryan been a little bit more accurate last week, I think Sanu com- comes down with a touchdown against the Patriots because he's creating some separation. He was out a couple weeks ago with a hamstring injury, but he, he continues to be a big part of their offense. Yeah, Sanu's a, the slot receiver for the Falcons, and he should square off with Buster Scrine, but Scrine's got a concussion, I think, so he might be out as well. Um, but this, this is the best matchup of the of all the uh, Atlanta receivers, and, and Sanu has been um, solid lately. I mean, 10, 10 targets last week, 6 for 65. You know, he had, the, he had the game against Buffalo where he got knocked out. That was mid-game, right? He got knocked out, 41% of the snaps. Yeah, it was in the third quarter, early third quarter. Yeah, so three targets only in that one, but in the three previous games, six for 47 and nine targets against Chicago, five for 85 on six targets against Green Bay, four for 28 and a touchdown on six targets against Detroit. So, and then you, then six for 65 on 10 targets against New England. So that's, you know, that's really good production. Um, if you're looking for a, a especially a PPR uh, league uh, receiver, he's got a minimum of four catches in the, in the four healthy games that he's had this year uh, has cracked uh, you know, 45 yards in three of the four games or caught a touchdown uh, with the, with that week three game against Detroit and 28 yards. He had the touchdown with that. So that kind of boosted that game. Um, 
and this is just a really good matchup against the the Jets, and I think he, he's going to be a solid start. Let's move on to some tight ends. You list Tyler Croft. He caught four four of four targets for 23 yards and a touchdown on the Bengals' loss last week to the Steelers. They seem to really like him in the red zone. Yeah, Croft uh, has been a real solid lately since uh, um, Tyler Eifert has been out. Uh, he had the two touchdowns. Uh, early on, I think that was against Cleveland. Yes, uh, in week four. And then uh, last week, four for 23 and touchdown. He had five targets against Buffalo, four for 38. And, uh, you know, this is a good matchup against the Colts. They're 26th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to um, to tight ends. And tight ends typically catch more of their, a larger share of their touchdowns at home versus the road. So, you know, when in doubt, grab yourself a, a, t- a tight end that's playing at home and you got a decent chance at a, at a score. How about this? Yep. Jared Cook. Yep. Jared Cook is listed among your sneaky starts. He is a fan favorite here on the Most Accurate Podcast, and thank God you love him so we get a chance to talk to him. Talk well, he's, I mean, he is your favorite player, right? I mean, we've established that uh, Jared <laughs> Cook is your favorite player. <clears throat> a lot of times I'm just looking at who to pick, and if Jared Cook's there, I, I'm going to talk. You know, I want to bring him up because I know you love him so much. I appreciate it. Um, six catch, 107 yards last week against the Chiefs. Uh, they played on Thursday night, extra you know, a few days here to prepare for the Bills. The Bills haven't been great against uh, tight ends this year, and they just got shellacked by O.J. Howard and Cameron Brait, um, who had 158 total yards and two touchdowns combined uh, against the Bills last week. Um they gave up eight catches for 71 yards combined to Austin Hooper and Levine Toyolo. It nailed it. Toyolo. Nice. Did yeah. I? Um, in week four. Uh, so this is a good spot. He's better with Derek Carr under center. And, um, yeah, I think he's a decent player this week. I think I have him at 12 or 13. I like this idea of listing some defensive streaming options as well. Let's start off. You have three. Let's start off with the Bengals. You list them as number two. I know that because not only do I follow your rankings, I, I just looked at it. I needed a defense because Jacksonville's on a bye. I love them. the matchup here with the Bengals and the Colts. Yeah, at home against uh, Jacoby Brissett. This is the, a nice spot. This is The, the Colts are 30th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to defenses, and the Bengals are pretty good uh, defensively on that side of the ball. So uh, I think I like them this week. I don't know why you would like the Saints against the Bears with that massive <laughs> passing attack that Chicago brings to town, but you do list New Orleans as a potential streaming option. Yeah, even when the Saints are bad defensively, they're a decent start at home because the Dome's tough. Uh, they typically jump out to a lead, and that forces the the other team to, to take chances. And I think the Bears are going to be in that spot this week. The, the Bears are 28th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to, to defenses, and the Saints are actually a good defense this year uh they've improved quite a bit on that side of the ball uh i'd say mediocre plus or maybe up to good um so this is a a nice spot at home against a a rookie quarterback and then finally you you list my falcons who have struggled defensively but i mean the talent's there it's just a, a matter of putting it all together and i thought maybe that after uh the first half of the Super Bowl that things were really going to come together for dan quinn's defense nevertheless good matchup this weekend against the jets yeah, I'm thinking sacks. I'm thinking some interceptions there with, you know, I think Josh McCown's a, a good fantasy start, but he's probably going to throw a pick or two. And um, if they get a sack, maybe there's a sack fumble. Or this, this just seems like a game where the Falcons could maybe score a defensive touchdown. 
John, great stuff as always. You can follow him on Twitter at 444 underscore John. You can follow me as well at Anthony Stalter. We'll see you on Monday's edition of the Most Accurate Podcast. We'll run through uh, kind of a recap of week eight, go through the pressing injury situations, and then as we always do on Monday, John kind of sorts through the muddled RBBC situations around the league, and we'll look ahead to the Monday night football matchup, which uh, is an interesting one. I don't know if it's going to be great, but it's interesting between the Broncos and the Chiefs. Always a good battle between AFC West opponents, but Denver struggled. Uh, so we'll see you next time on the Most Accurate Podcast. Until then, good luck this weekend.